What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. The Sift Pop podcast is recorded in front of a live internet audience, folks. Live from a bunker in the heart of the Ozarks. When you have opinions, you can either podcast something or podcast nothing. And we already tried podcasting nothing. It's Sif Welcome to Sif Pop, streaming live on Mixler every Friday afternoon or available to download later in your podcast feed. Unless, of course, you're a patron. Patrons get perks. Patrons get those perks. Woo. I'm Aaron Dicer from YourMovieFriend.com. I'm joined by Andrew Ormsby every week from Flick Freaks. Ahoy. And every week we'll also be joined by a pop culture guru to chat about movies, television, and whatever else from the pop culture universe is on our brains. This week's guru from Music Video Sins, it's Barrett. Hello, everyone. Uh, It is so good to have you back. We chatted your sift shame on the patron pre-show. So if you support uh, the podcast network, Studio DNA, you can take a listen to that in your podcast feed. Uh, Also wanted to shout out million subs, dude. You hit a million for Uh, music video sins. Congratulations. How's how's that journey been for you? Oh, man, it's been so much fun. I watch I watch a lot of music videos, man. <laughs> and, uh, and and probably uh, a good 89% of them are, are pretty, pretty rough. Wow, that's so, so generous. Uh, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's so much fun, though, man. I, I love doing it, and uh, we're going to keep on trucking, man. We, uh, uh, we've got some good ones, tasty treats coming out to you next week. Do you ever do like you do classics sometimes too, right? Like you don't just do new music videos. Like you'll go back and you know tag something mm-hmm. from before too. Like what's one of your favorite yep. like old school music videos that you've done since for? All right, so my favorite music video of all time is probably Aerosmith's "Crying" uh, that featured Alicia Silverstone yeah. back in 1993, and we did that one. And then most recently we did Avril Lavigne's "Girlfriend." And that was a lot of fun to do, too. Well, uh, yeah, you can check it out at Music Video Sins. It's a part of the Cinema Sins YouTube family thing. I think there's, like, what, Brand Sins? Yes. I always think when, when the first time I heard somebody say Brand Sins, I was like, oh, I live near Branson. It's, yeah. like, just right down the road. <laughs> Such a sinful town. Speaking of which, we can talk about this right now, too. You mentioned, Unless maybe you've got it in the Do We Care. There's a, an Ozarks TV show coming. Oh, based here in the area. Is that in your do, do We Care this week? No, I was just you know bringing that up last night. 
That show looks so good. Yeah. Jason Bateman. Jason Bateman, and it Netflix, takes place right here in the Ozarks. So. Netflix original. It looks good. It looks like a, a Winter's Bone Fargo sort of thing. I like it. I, I really think they should like do all their press through us, right? Like, I mean, we're right here in the area. You know, all the interviews, everything should come here through Sifpop, right? <laughs> come right. Th- we, we are yours, Jason Bateman. All you got to do is, you know, reach out. We'll, we'd be willing to have you on. Always so. money in the banana stand. <laughs> there is always money in the banana stand. Uh, we are going to have a great show today. We're going to talk Wonder Woman, of course. We're going to do a best ever challenge on alliter- <laughs> alliterative movies. Uh, which I'm looking forward to. Uh, and, of course, we'll do a Sift Quest and Buried Treasure, all that fun stuff. But first, let's start with some Do We Care. Every single week I scour the internet to find out what is going on in the entertainment world, and we can discuss these three topics and decide whether we care to discuss them further or not. Help me out with this first one, Aaron. I don't know if we've done this one yet oh, okay. or not. Sure. Okay, Tom Hardy has been cast as Sony's Venom in a standalone film. I... <sighs> I've talked about it a lot with people, but I don't remember if we've talked about it on the show. Okay. I didn't so, either. I just wanted to make sure. Cause yeah. Because it's kind of big news. I think it's really sad that neither of us know what we talk about on our own show. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've slept since our last show. So. <laughs> That's true. My thing is always this. Tom Hardy's great. You know, I don't yeah. I don't have much more to say than that until I actually see the movie mm-hmm. and then know, you know, how things work out. What about you, Barrett? Well, I mean, he's developed a pretty good track record, you know. I mean, even something as, as innocuous as Locke uh, that was entirely dependent on his performance. So good. I'll probably go along with, with anything he does, Mad Max, The Revenant. Uh, he's got too good of a, a track record for me to really, like, turn my nose up at this. Yeah. Yeah, there are times when you hear of, like, actors you love – Getting involved in projects you wish they would rather not. I, I think it was actually Jeremy was tweeting something about something Haley Steinfeld was going to get involved in, and he was like, "No, Haley, no." Yeah, but for me, <laughs> um, for me, like, I, I don't know. I'm just a wait and see kind of guy. So, I, if I love the actor or the actress, then you know, obviously something drew them to the project. And if that was a dollar bills, then fine. That was dollar bills, and you know, maybe it won't be artistically worthwhile but you know at least give him a shot i hope it is venom is one of my favorite marvel villains he might actually be my favorite marvel villain so very cool i just hope they do it right number two uh guys uh strap in because tom cruise is once again going to take us to the danger zone because top gun 2 is starting next year nice is it coming out next year i think they're going to start filming and then it will release the same year i think that movie does not hold up that (laughs) that, (laughs) that movie is awful (laughs) I love. I think it's because it's a nostalgia factor. Oh for sure, me at this no, time, I so. totally get it. I'm just telling you. I, you know, the last time I watched that was, I think, within the last year or so. It, it you know, was on somewhere. Someone was watching it, whatever. And and I'm just watching it, going, this is just bad. Like, is it the volleyball scene? Well, the volleyball scene's weird. Yeah. yeah, it's 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 a little bit interesting. But even just the dialogue and the performances. I mean, Tom's great. He's usually great. But man, it's I don't know. It doesn't hold up well, in my opinion. I just see myself as goose because of the stash. <laughs> it's not going to end well for me, Aaron. Give, give us a uh, give us a Top Gun hot take, Barrett. It's got great music. You got the Kenny Loggins stuff, and then you've got uh, uh, you've lost that love and feeling moment in the bar. Yeah, so it's always yep. fun to watch. There you go. But yeah, you're right. It doesn't. A lot of it does not hold up. <laughs> just throw on the soundtrack. Either that, or you can yeah, watch. Exactly. Just watch Hot Shots in theaters, 2018. The Top Gun soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> Number three. Tom Holland has been cast as a young Nathan Drake in the film ab- adaptation of an un- 
Oh, man, I got to get through this. Tom Holland has been cast as a young Nathan Drake in the film adaptation of Uncharted. Boo. <laughs> Boo. You, but you know what? You don't like Tom Holland or you just wanted Nathan Fillion? I don't want an Uncharted movie. <laughs> oh, I see. Don't. This is one of the, because I'm always wanting there to be one good video game movie. Uh-huh. This isn't going to be it. It's too much like Indiana Jones to where they're just going to, people are going to knock it for being Indiana Jones. Tomb Raider's kind of the same thing, though, right? Like, it's the same idea. it's a female protagonist, and uh, Tomb Raider, I find, is a little bit more uh, mystical than even, you know, I think uh, even Indiana Jones can kind of lean more towards realism. Did you see Indiana Jones 4? Besides the, oh, okay. Touche, Will. Well, well played, sir. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I doesn't. Again, it doesn't bother me. I'll wait and see. And I do like Tom Holland uh, from what I've seen him in. So yeah, he seems to do good work. What do you think, Barrett? Uh, I've never played that game, but uh, you know, video game movies don't have a good track record. Man, we just did Assassin's Creed for Cinema Sins, and I've never seen a collection of talent so good. That and I'm arguing against myself with this Tom Hardy take that I had, but sure. it, that that Fassbender and Cotillard and uh, and uh, Irons, uh, who was it? Jeremy Irons. Jeremy Irons. Yeah, I mean, and this guy, the director, had just done Macbeth like the year before. With, so anyway, with all of those people, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> with all yeah. of those people. Yeah, exactly. So uh, I, I don't know. I'm not really. I never get hyped for any uh, video game movies. We can always lean on Mortal Kombat as the one good... Uh, <laughs> you can always lean on Mortal Kombat. That's <laughs> hey, the one good video If that's game. the pinnacle, if that is it, <laughs> that's the high water mark, then that's that's a rough genre right there. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, Andrew. Appreciate it. Does that wrap it up? That's going to wrap it up. It was a quick Do We Care week. No, that's cool. Let's move on to talking about Wonder Woman. What is your mission? To stop the war. What war? war to end all wars weapons far deadlier than you can ever imagine the war can be ours wherever you are you are in more danger than you think i cannot stand by while innocent lives are lost be careful diana who is this woman she's my um secretary sir She's a very good secretary. Wonder Woman stars Gal Gadot as everyone's favorite Amazonian princess warrior in what happens when she enters the war-torn world of men with the help of Chris Pine and his band of quirky outcasts. It's an origin story for Wonder Woman. Uh, DCU putting a little humor into their world, a little lightness into their world, perhaps, and doing a solo story. Uh, Here's a question. How did it work out? Did you like it, love it, it was okay, dislike it? Or hate it. We'll start with you, Barrett. What do you think? You know what? I I kind of like this movie. Kind of liked it. Uh, yeah, I I had very low expectations, even though I saw that glaring ninety seven percent Rotten Tomato score as I was walking into the theater. Um, <laughs> Is it ninety seven on Rotten Tomatoes? It was ninety seven as of last night. Wow, uh, what's happened? But uh, that means ninety seven percent of critics gave it a C plus. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, but yeah, no, it was it was fun. I mean, they're hinged on Gal Gadot's. Is it Gadot? Is that, that her name? I say Gadot, but I I don't know. So regardless, her her performance, man, was just absolutely pitch perfect. I mean, this this one really uh, she she had the nice balance between like being a fierce warrior and then 
just enjoying it. I don't know. It, it was cool. It was a good movie. What did you think, Andrew? I loved it. You're in the loved it camp. I loved this movie so much. Uh, uh, I am in the... Uh, I am... Oh, man, I am just on the border of loved it. I'm right on that border of liked it, loved it. I had such a great time with this movie. You really liked it. I really liked it. Um, this uh, you, you hit on a lot of it already, Barrett, and we'll go ahead and start you know talking the good stuff. But we have to start with Gal, because she is so perfect for this role. Yeah. And here's what I love about her. I love, and I haven't seen this this well done since The Force Awakens, a female protagonist that is super strong, super sturdy and super feminine at the same time. Like mm-hmm. it, she, there's no sacrifice of herself as a woman or anything like that to become the, the strength. I get a feeling in a lot of especially older movies. Um, the one I go to is alien. You think of Ridley, mm-hmm. you know, you think in, in Ridley's a great character, but the idea was often, okay, the woman who can hang with the boys, be like the boys, you know, be strong and muscular and, you know, those kind of things. And th- that's okay. If that's who you want to be, but the women who are strong in my life that I know are, you know, beautiful, graceful, you know, strong, amazing women. And I love it when a movie can capture the fact that you don't have to sacrifice your femininity to be strong. And I loved that here, just like I loved it with Ray in, in The Force Awakens. Girl power is for real, man. The key is, like, you don't have to be like anybody else to be better. You don't have to be like a man to be better. Just, you know, embrace who you are and, you know, go with it. So I love that. I love the fact that this movie was set in a time period where misogyny reigns reign supreme and this woman co- shows up and not only is she defiant against every single quote-unquote powerful male figure, but she can back it up in a way that I've never seen a movie do. Maybe um, Furiosa and Fury Road, but I think that mm-hmm. Gal takes it to a completely another level in this movie. And I absolutely thought it was fascinating yeah i think we can get into talking about the action kind of jumping off of that because the action in this is really exhilarating yeah uh there are a few nitpicky cg moments where you can tell like it's you know pixels being thrown around the screen instead of a real person um but that that's kind of few and far between for the most part i was i was really invested in the action here as as a dc fanboy i gotta say you know knowing that wonder woman is the greatest fighter in all of dc I ha- I had a very high bar set for like the combat choreography. Like, if she doesn't look like she's the greatest fighter of all time, then I'm going to be really upset. But she was so good. Did you like the action, Barrett? I really did. I mean, especially that that middle piece where she's storming the front and everything. Mm-hmm. But the what you can tell you you hit on it, Aaron. There is some obvious CG moments, and you can almost tell that Patty Jenkins like doesn't really have a big history of this kind of thing right. and, and maybe doesn't have like the super fine tuned uh, things, but not, it's not like it's worse than anything we've seen in superhero movies before <laughs> though. So, uh, but yeah, I thought they were exhilarating. She, man, she can, she can ground what I really love. And this was the only redeeming part of Batman versus Superman to me is when they're, uh, they're fighting doomsday and it cuts to wonder woman being thrown in the dirt somewhere and she breaks into this smile and goes right back in, and she's got that that kind of thing as, as throughout this movie, where she's like she's loving the battle, you know. I yeah. love that. Yeah, absolutely. What else stood out to you? Chris Pine, he was so good. Uh, I didn't know what kind of you know version of Steve Trevor they were going to go for. 
but I think that he actually captured several different versions of, you know, that character that's been in the comic books. Like he's sometimes he's the protective one, you know, like I just I just need to protect you because you don't understand the world. And that's really what he was protecting her from. But at the same time, he's like, I know what you can do. And there are some times where he's just really funny. But Chris Pine has that ability to just, you know, he's magnetic, really. Yes. So. Yeah, he's he's great on screen. He's so charismatic. Uh, the thing that, that they got right with this movie that is something, uh, you know, I've been saying for a long time is they understood that the lightness of the movie, the humor of the movie, which I think Chris, Chris Pine is responsible for a lot of this. Mm-hmm. He's not solely responsible, but he's responsible for a lot of this. That it's not just about inserting jokes. It's not just about, you know... Uh, joke here, joke there. It's about having characters that are lighthearted enough that we enjoy spending time with them. I have never enjoyed spending time with Batman in the last few movies or with the new version <laughs> of Superman. Like I just, they're not people I want to hang out with. Chris Pine's very character, depressing. Chris Pine's character, and even Wonder Woman in this. These are people I want to hang out with. Like they're fun to be around. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't like I, you can't underestimate that, and I think DC has been missing that, and they're going to find. That is a beautiful ingredient in the secret sauce of a blockbuster is to have characters that people actually want to spend time with. Yeah, and it doesn't seem forced in this one um, because even in, in my opinion, like Age of Ultron and stuff like that, they were trying to force witty banter into the dialogue that right. was more organic in the first one. And with this all the way through, I mean, his secretary and, you know, all the way, all the characters have, have a really good timing with each other. And Chris Pine... And and uh, Diana Prince, uh, the the character have have a great rapport, and especially on that boat scene where uh, she's like, "Oh, you don't sleep with women." That's <laughs> so like, good. Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> but that's where the levity comes from. It's very organic. It's not forced. The other thing I wanted to bring up, uh, and this will be my final kind of big positive, maybe the biggest positive for me. I absolutely adored the theme of this movie. Uh, about, oh, I love the theme so much. Oh, it's sorry. <laughs> no. Excited. It's so good. Um, the the idea of being in a divided world and still seeing everybody as a human who is who is valued and worth loving and worth showing mercy to and giving grace to and the opportunity to to change and grow. Um, man, I think we need to hear that right now. And yeah. because increasingly we are becoming the the kind of culture that just divides and calls each other names and yells at each other. Instead of trying to fight for dialogue, this movie in many ways was was beautifully naive. You know, it was one of those things. And I love that where it's just like, no, you don't lose hope in that stuff. You keep hoping you keep, Mm. you know, hoping for people. And I just I thought it was beautiful. Yeah, I'm going to add on to that because I was actually going to be one of my last one of my last things is about, you know, femininity and girl power and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. And I was all on board for that. But when it actually had something to say about humanity as a whole. Yeah, I mean. The way that, you know, humans trade each other and how from an outside looking in perspective, we can seem irredeemable at times. But I'm not saying that, you know, we've been blind to that because there have been many movies that have said that before. But I think this movie in particular displayed that in a way that I found very fascinating. Yeah, no, I, th- I thought that was great. Now, Barrett, were you talking about those themes of mercy and grace or were you talking about the musical theme? I'm just curious. <laughs> what you guys just said was beautiful. And I was excited about the musical theme. <laughs> and it was I love I love the thematic elements that you guys are talking about. But that tribal drum and electric guitar no, it's so good. theme is 
It gets you pumped. Tied with maybe Superman uh, as my favorite theme, superhero theme of all time. It's beautifully simplistic, and it just gets the heart racing. I've listened to it probably 15 times today. Oh, as soon as that, as soon as that music comes on, you know somebody's going to get their butt kicked in a royal way, and you're on the edge of your seat <laughs> just waiting for it. Like, oh, it's going to be that guy. Oh, she already. Okay, on to the next one now. Yeah, um, incredible stuff, and and that's just you know that just goes to show that it takes a lot of pieces coming together to make a, a good movie, and mm-hmm. this movie has a lot of those pieces. So let's talk about some of the pieces. Uh, unless you guys had something else positive that you wanted to bring to the forefront, uh, let's start talking about what we didn't like. Because it's not a perfect movie. Uh, there are certainly some things that you know I think could have been done a little bit better. But what did you guys think? There's one thing I'm going to have to wait until spoilers to talk okay. about for for uh, for cons. But one of the things I can talk about now is there was very few parts in this film, but there they were there where the pacing kind of just you know drooped off. I'm like, okay, you could have trimmed that down just a little bit to yeah. make it more cohesive, like. There was like this, it was building up something huge and, you know, after that it just kind of died off a little too long for it to pick up again for that finale. I had three moments, this is my only negative, uh, my only big negative I should say. Yeah. Everything else kind of nitpicky. My only big negative, there were at least three moments, and this ties exactly into what you're saying, where I had look at your watch kind of moments. Where I'm like, you know, okay, we, we've slowed down to the point where I'm getting distracted by wanting to move this forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of that was exposition. I think the exposition could have been handled a little bit tighter. Um, there were some scenes that just, for whatever reason, I think I think sometimes you get in the editing booth and you just like your stuff too much and you just can't get rid of it. Yeah. But there were some scenes that I just felt, I don't know that this scene even needed to be in the movie, or if it did, it could have been a much quicker kind of a get to the get to the punch of the scene. Yeah. Um, so there were those moments, and and especially when you look at the end and you go, oh, two hours and twenty some minutes. Was it really that long? Yeah. Okay. And it, 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 you, I really feel like they could cut about twenty minutes off this movie, and it could have been about a, you know almost a perfect film. Yeah. Barrett, what about you? No, we're all dancing around the same subject. I, I had the exact same opinion. There was there was times where. They were just repeating the same thing over and over about those themes that you guys were talking about, like humanity is good and no, no, this is the way things are. No, this is the way things are on back on my island, you know. And uh, yes, it it could have lost 20 minutes and really could have been a tight, um, really outstanding uh, superhero movie. But those those times where it dragged really dragged for me. Yeah. And I don't there. I do think there was some repeating that went on with the themes that could have been cut. But I think it's valuable that the movie spent time with the characters and with some of that dialogue and getting to know their relationships and and who they are. I think the problem is just living too long in those moments or, like you say, repeating those moments again when, you know, we've we've already gotten it uh, and there's not something fresh or new there, you know, to see or learn. Um, I just I, I feel like maybe. And I know, I know it's hard. I've never edited a feature-length film. I've mm-hmm. you know done video editing on some you know creative projects, those kind of things. It is hard to get rid of stuff you love, even even when you know it doesn't serve the story perfectly. It is, I think, it is the key element of uh, filmmaking is cutting things out. Yeah. Oh yeah, it, but this is this is the big complaint of the DC movies, and this is a minor complaint in something like this. But when you have you know these overlong, overbloated, um, overvillained, um, you know DC projects that should be at the forefront of your mind. You want to make something that's that's snappy, especially if it's an origin story like this. So you would think that that would have been, 
you know, number right up there on their on their checklist of saying like maybe we should, you know, get this nice and lean, you know. Yeah, totally agree. Having said all that, though, I do appreciate the fact because it was it could have been really easy for them to just develop the characters for Diana and for Steve, but they took the time to develop the side characters as well and make you care about them. And it could have been so easy for them to just say, uh, this is going to be the scrappies that come along with us. But no, I actually found myself caring about Absolutely. some of those other people as well. So No, I totally agree. I, and, I, and that's not the stuff I would cut. I, I oh, wouldn't I'm cut... not saying it is, but I'm yeah. saying at the same time, you know, I'm, I appreciate the fact that they did that. And I know that that was a factor to adding to the length of the film. But there are other parts of the movie that could have been cut. I think I can say this. I don't think this is a spoiler. I, I will say one scene that I didn't understand why it was as long as it was, or you know, maybe I get why it was there. I think I get the essence of it. But the the dress up Wonder Woman scene just seemed to me like it just kept going on and on with you know yeah. different outfits and different things, and it's like okay, we already get this the central premise of what you're trying to say here. Yeah, we don't need to see her in fifty different outfits. You know, just stuff like that where it's you know I, I think it just could have been tightened up overall yeah uh one last thing everybody got one more thing they want to say about the movie yeah i have one last thing all right what do you got if i had a daughter i'd want her to look up to this film yeah so i'd be like this is the first film i could really champion for like a young girl and say this is your movie girl power and i would wear my girl power shirt while i watch (laughs) i'm gonna watch this movie a lot this is not gonna be a one and done for me i see myself watching this movie so many times yeah um, there was a little girl sitting behind us. Did you hear her? Mm-mm. So there was a little girl sitting behind us. She was probably, I'm guessing, six, seven, or eight, somewhere in that range. Mm-hmm. And uh, she was having a good time, but she was asking questions through the entire movie. Was she? Um, yeah. And and it reminded me that as as much as it's awesome that little girls, you know, have a superhero to, to look up to. It just reminded me that the way these movies are made a lot of times don't tell stories in a way that the younger, younger audience are going to follow them very well. Yeah. Um, and I thought that was a good reminder to me. I would say, you know, teen yeah, up. well, I'd even say like nine, you know, like that nine, ten, you know, preteen and up kind of group, I think can get a lot from this movie. But younger than that, I think it's more just like cool things on the screen, maybe that kind of stuff. But I don't know. That's that was just the experience I heard through the voice of the little girl behind me. Yeah. So. What about you, Barry? You got one more thing on the movie? I'll tell you what I did like was how they used the lasso of truth. Yeah. They, uh, it's it's a weird thing to say, but they used it very thoughtfully. You know, the, uh, the, the times where it, it comes out are like needed exposition, and there's a really cool moment where Chris Pine grabs it himself and has a, a really fun moment. So I like that, man. It's the little details like that that really make something shine. Totally agree. My one last thing is that it is so wonderful to see DC make a movie like this. Yeah. Um, Pun completely intended. Wonderful. Uh, It is also a little bit depressing because if we got this movie in an Aquaman movie that was made with this much care and, you know, maybe even one of the other characters before we got Justice League, can you imagine how much better that movie would be? Even just knowing who Wonder Woman is through this movie has made me more excited to see that movie because I feel like I know who she is. That's what I always loved about the Marvel stuff is like I knew who Steve Rogers was from his movie. And so I had all that background in that kind of depth that I could lay on top of, you know, the Avengers movie. Does that make sense? Yeah. 
I actually like this movie way more than the first Captain America movie, and I'm making that reference because they're both period piece origin stories. Oh, they're very similar. Wonder Woman, yeah. in many ways, is their Captain America. Yeah, and I found this, I like this way, way more than I liked. No, I would this. disagree with that. I still love the first Captain America movie. That's one of my least favorite Marvel movies, but anyway. Um, we did see this in IMAX Laser, and I know we've championed it every single time, but if you have the opportunity to see a movie, I say this is a really good one to see oh, in IMAX gorgeous. Laser. It was so so amazing. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I I think uh, I think you're right to to make the comparisons to to Captain America, and that's and that's what I'm saying. Like to know these characters <laughs> in that way before this other stuff happened. I mean, even Batman v Superman. Like you know, to be able to have that come later. You know, do the soul even do the solo Batman movie with this new DCU Batman before yeah. you get into all that stuff. I just it just. The, the rush to catch up to Marvel has hindered them in so many ways, and this is a nice first step to get out of that, but it's it's kind of depressing to know they could have handled it differently and, and had a much better you know. Are you afraid experience. it's going to be a one step forward, two steps back kind of thing with Justice ah, League now? I don't know. I just, I just know I would love to have the kind of experience with those other characters that I've had with Wonder Woman to really enjoy that movie fully. It's definitely a step in the right direction for the DCEU. Yeah, I ended up giving it an A minus, you know. So I, I really did enjoy it, um, but there are enough flaws that I, you know, I wasn't going to kind of go into that hollowed ground of kind of the AA plus range. So yeah, where would you end up landing with it? Uh, a minus. Yeah, somewhere around there too. Yeah. Barrett, you're probably around the B B plus range. Yeah, exactly. I'd probably give it a solid B, and maybe if I watch it a couple times, a B plus. I mean, it, it definitely is enjoyable. I really think I can't wait until we get into spoilers, but. Uh, there's one big spoilery thing that bugs the bejesus out of me in this movie. <laughs> but we'll I got get to keep there. that uh, PG, by the way. <laughs> we will get there uh, for sure in spoilers. Uh, first, let's move on to the best ever challenge. Before we do that, though, if you are supporting on Patreon, first of all, thank you. Uh, it's patreon.com slash studio DNA for the network. The support has grown in the last uh, couple months to the point that once uh, Danae is back, who's a big part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network, we're actually going to be adding shows to the network. So thank you for that support, growing the network. We appreciate it. Uh, if you want to know, you get uh, for like three bucks a month, some of the perks you get involve your own podcast feed where you get special um, bonus podcasts that don't show up in the regular feed that come straight to your device, just like the regular podcast feed would. Uh, and also you can know you're supporting the network. So thank you for that. Very humbling to know that people actually put their own dollar bills towards this stuff. It means a lot to us. Uh, you can find that again at patreon.com slash studio DNA. All right, let's do the best ever challenge. Uh, threw a kind of a little different one out there this week. Best ever alliterative movies. This means the movie title is alliteration. Now, I said, I think in the email, same letter. I guess it doesn't necessarily have to be same letter if it's same sound. So, like, you know, a hard C and a K could still be alliterative. Oh, okay, yeah. You know, if, if that were the case. And you can go ahead and include words like the or of or for or for. Yeah. Kind of those article words. We'll go ahead and let those through. We'll do our best three, our top three uh, movies, um, best ever movies with uh, alliteration in the title. And then we'll also do some honorable mentions. Now, remember, if you have one higher than it's mentioned from someone else, feel free to say Trump and we'll wait and True. talk about it uh, when it's your turn. Yeah. I'm just going to say right now, I wrote down 15. <laughs> I'm not going to list them all, obviously, but I, I just couldn't stop writing because there were so many good ones. But yeah. I found this really fun to try to think oh, of yeah. these, 
Um, yeah. I, I have, you know, I, here's what I try to do with this stuff for honorable mention is I only pick movies that I really, really like. I don't have to like love it beyond the moon, but I have to at least really, really like it. And I was yeah. surprised by how many movies I really, really like have alliteration in the titles, but I'm going to start at number three with King Kong. Yep. Um, King Kong. Oh, wow. Uh, and I, I'd say go ahead and pick either one, although I'm primarily talking about the first one. Yeah, the 36. Eight, yeah, one? yeah, yeah, the one that was before any of us were born by many, many years. Uh, very groundbreaking with its use of stop motion, with you know, just kind of the emotion it put into it, the idea of this, you know, giant villain not being a monster, but you know, actually being protective. Uh, it's a theme you see continued in you know the Kong movies that are coming out now. Uh, I think it's what I think it's what defines these movies is that idea, and um, I I really really love it. So that's my number three. Nice, Barrett. Why don't you go next? Okay, well, we're trafficking in the same era a little bit. Uh, mine is Funny Face. Oh, nice. From 1957. Uh, this stars uh, Audrey Hepburn and Fred Astaire, uh, features songs by George Gershwin, and is delightful. Yeah, that's you a good choice. You will love this movie. You will fall in love with it. It's a little more high-minded than these kind of romp-style movies are. Like, there's a lot of... Um, Kind of amateur philosophizing takes place in New York and then Paris, uh, but it's just absolutely adorable. And it has one of my favorite performances from Fred Astaire because he's grumpy throughout most of this, this movie. And you never see grumpy Fred Astaire. That's so much fun. <laughs> So I would definitely recommend this. This is a, a very, very fun movie. That's going to be the name of my new indie rock band, Grumpy Fred Astaire. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. What about you, Andrew? What you got at number three? I'm gonna, for number three, I'm going to go with Gone Girl. Yeah, good choice. That was in my honorable mentions. Mm-hmm. Was it? Yeah. yeah. Man, Ben Affleck, David Fincher, uh, they killed it. Neil Patrick Harris. And I'll tell you, what put this movie over the top for me is the fact that Tyler Perry is in this movie, and I don't hate him. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very different Tyler Perry in this movie. Exactly. I mean, he's charismatic and debonair, and I'm like, you know, I want to hang out with that guy. He just seems so cool. I think that's the real Tyler Perry. I, uh, I think you don't. Is. I think you don't get to be as successful as he is without being that cool and connective to people in well, real life. I don't think he's Medea. I'm just saying that in this movie, I found him to be fascinating, and I loved him. What and, if somebody did think Medea was the real Tyler Perry? That'd be amazing. Oh, Here, uh, the fact, I, I never read the book, so going into this, I was completely blind as to what you know how the story was going to progress, and I was so caught up like, okay, what's really going to happen? What's really going to happen? And when it was revealed to me how this was going to go, I'm like, I'm I'm in. I am in for the rest of this. It's going to yeah. be amazing. Yeah, I I thought Gone Girl was much better than I expected it to uh, to be. So that's that's a great choice. And just one last thing: the fact that Ben Affleck keeps screwing up and doing the dumbest things, like <laughs> smiling for the camera. So yeah. like, what are you doing? <laughs> but you can identify too, right? Like, haven't you that's been human. in that moment? And it's human. just like I'm not handling this well. I'm coming off sounding so bad. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely, yeah, he's a there. big old idiot. <laughs> <laughs> As are we all. As are we all. Uh, my number two is liar, liar. Good uh, call. Nice. I. This is. People know I have a soft spot in my heart for this movie. I think it is one of the greatest comedies ever made. Um, I. It is the movie where I officially learned that Jim Carrey was beyond just a pratfall uh, actor. That he actually had something, and you can see it in this movie. That the, he's got uh, the ability to tug on the heartstrings and those kind of things. Now it is a flat-out comedy. 
It's not a drama. It is a comedy. And it has a, a weird, crazy premise. And, you know, it is over <laughs> the top. But, man, the laughs per minute in this one for me are amazing. Uh, it's just... He is, he is, it is a, it is one of those instances of perfect casting for a concept. You oh, know, yeah. For him to be that person who can't tell that, that whole the pin is blue stuff. I could watch <laughs> that scene over and over. It is, it is masterwork of physical <laughs> and verbal comedy. It's amazing. I keep going back to the bathroom scene in the courthouse. Yeah. That's my, every single time I think a liar, liar, I'm kicking my butt. <laughs> yeah. Or the, or the, you know, the policeman. Uh, when the policeman stops him, he admits everything that he was doing. Like, there's just and one thing. The last time I watched this, like within the last year, with uh, one of my sons because he wanted to see it, and I forgot how awesome the outtakes in that movie are. Uh, oh, they, what, the they, credit outtakes. Yeah, they do outtakes in the credits, and I was dying. They they end it with this amazing outtake where they're yelling names at each other. She calls him an over. She goes over actor, and it takes him this split second to realize what she did. <laughs> And he just breaks. It's just, oh, it's so pure and so amazing. I just, I, yeah, I love Liar Liar. Yeah, that's a good call. Barrett, what is your number two? All right, I'm going to go with 2012's Pitch Perfect. Nice. Hey. That was on my honorable mentions. This is, uh, this is an utterly charming movie. I did not expect to like this movie at all. I got uh, kind of roped into seeing it with my wife and... Man, I mean, really, from the opening uh, part, I mean, it's just where they keep going back to singing Ace of Bases, I Saw the Sign, just as hilarious to me. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, of all I don't the know, songs. Man, I, yeah, it's, it's hilarious, but the cast is great. Anna Kendrick, you know, you can't get more precocious and charming and, and beautiful than Anna Kendrick in this in this type of environment. Um, it's light and breezy, but uh, it, it holds up to a lot of rewatching and because i've done it and it's still enjoyable so that's that's my number two yeah and um uh, elizabeth banks and oh what's his name as the announcers it's just perfect oh, side yeah, it's, characters it's, uh, in that movie uh john michael higgins yes yeah, yeah thank you yeah um, he's just so oh, great man they're great and what what's terrible about the second one is what's so great about the first one. They introduce those characters, these ridiculous announcers for an acapella competition, by the way, needs announcers. Yeah. But because they, they're kind of going off the, the whole cotton thing from uh, a dodgeball, uh, they put these characters in, but very sparingly. And exactly the opposite happens in Pitch Perfect 2, where they're, they take like a, a very prominent role. Yeah, that was a mistake. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I, although I think I liked Pitch Perfect two probably more than you, but no, that was absolutely a mistake. It reminds me a lot of, um, you know, a Chris, the, they remind me a lot of Christopher Guest stuff. Of course, he's done a lot of Christopher Guest stuff, but mm-hmm. like you think of like the best, the best in show announcers, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like it's just the perfect side character, you know, to to comment on a world that is so strange. Um, yeah, that's a great choice. Yeah. What do you got at number two, Andrew? Wayne's World, Wayne's World, <laughs> part time, oh, nice excellent. One. Oh man, this movie is almost perfect for me. It fits right into my wheelhouse as far as humor is concerned. It has my childhood crush Tia Carrera and also my other childhood crush Rob Lowe. Um, (laughs) This movie, I mean, it's it's uh, referential humor and it's self-referential at the same time. That scene where it's the product placement, like the Pepsi, the Nuprin, little Mm -hmm. yellow different, and the (laughs) that scene kills me. Oh, it's uh, and what what's his name? I'm I'm sorry, I'm having a a brain fart right now, but um, Mike Myers? No, not Mike Myers. Dana Carvey? No, <laughs> uh, Ed O'Neill. 
Ed O'Neill in the donut shop and he keeps talking yeah. about like, <laughs> I killed the man and you can see the steam coming out of his body in the winter. That's so great. <laughs> so much fun. And, uh, but I think out of all the scenes in that entire movie, the foxy lady scene is like one of my favorite scenes in any movie ever. Good choice. Good choice. All right. It's our number ones. We have no repeats so far. Very nice. Um, my number one is Sixth Sense. Good call. Um, nice. I am a huge M. Night fan. Uh, I was apologist for him all the way up until the worst movie ever made, which is uh, The Last Airbender. Uh, and then, and then I, you know, was so excited to see him make his comeback this year, uh, or actually starting last year, uh, is when, you know, people were like, oh, look, he's actually making, you know, the kind of movies that are good again. I still need to see the visit. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's not as good as split in my opinion, but, uh, it's, you know, still, still, a you can see him coming back to what he loves. And I were you pure Aaron when you saw the sixth sense for the first time? No, Did, I was you not spoiled. I was spoiled. Um, no, you weren't. No. For Six Cents? No, for Split. Yeah, he asked about Six Cents. Oh, I thought you said... No, I was pure for Split, man. Yeah, <laughs> I was, nice. I was yeah me say, too. That's why I say, you're a liar. I was in the theater with you when you saw Split. <laughs> yeah, I was going nuts. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, but no, for Six Cents, I actually was spoiled, and I still really enjoyed the movie. Um, I, I know... I mean, I've had, obviously, experiences like that with, for instance, uh, Fight Club, I was unspoiled. Mm-hmm. And had no clue where that was going. That one nailed me, and I've had those other experiences. So I I know how much that can make you uh, love a movie even more. But I just, for me, I fell in love with him Knight because of the way he shot movies. It was the first person since I'm a huge Hitchcock fan. It was the first first person I'd seen since Hitchcock who really understood how to use framing for that kind of suspense. And man, he is he is a genius of creative framing and shots, and you know, interesting ways to look at situations. So. Uh, that's how I fell in love with him. Yeah, I totally get it. Nice man. pick. Thanks. It's one of the scariest movies I've ever seen. Just because I hate ghosts. Yeah, they, they freak me out. Yeah, I don't. I don't believe in them. <laughs> I don't believe in them, but they still freak me. Out. I don't know how that works, but uh, <laughs> I still think Bruce Willis is the perfect actor for M Night. Like I just, I feel like M Night's kind of like slow and sturdy suspense. Speaking of alliteration, uh, is is perfect for kind of Willis's wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. I'm just like alliteration all over the place. What's your uh, what's your number one? <laughs> uh, so speaking of scary movies, my number one is Dawn of the Dead. Yeah, yeah. that was on my. And was this on my is mentions. surprisingly, this is the 2004 version. This is the one that was directed by Zack Snyder Snyders. and written by James Gunn. Wow, I love it. I love it. I love. I, I'm not like a huge zombie movie aficionado or anything like that, but I do like apocalyptic movies. And this one is, you know, really it's a social satire because it's set into in a mall and everything. And it's, of course, all these different personalities trying to um, to figure out how they're going to react to this zombie apocalypse. But it's really well paced. It's really well shot. Sarah Polly turns in a great, good performance. And it's just really fun. It's, it, it's the most fun that you will ever see with zombies eating somebody's face off. <laughs> that movie hits the ground running pun intended because it starts yeah. you off as you know it's going down and i say running because this is the first time i can remember zombies running in a movie and it freaked me out I'm like they're not supposed to do that yeah <laughs> i think the most yeah because it was uh 2007 was uh 28 days later i think right no it was that was 28 weeks later 28 days later was 
2002, I guess. Oh, was it really? Right? So I guess that yeah, was first. But, but this is such a different take on the Romero zombies that yeah. are just, you know, the number is the threat and not the their athleticism. <laughs> <laughs> I think the most fun I've ever had watching zombies uh, eat people's faces off is Shaun of the Shaun Dead. Shaun of the Dead. Yeah, that was, that was a lot yeah, of fun. Yeah, that's true. Which, it's a pretty uh, amazing movie. What's her name was in uh, Wonder Woman. The secretary? She was, oh, was she in Shaun of the Dead? Yeah, she was Diane, the, the actress. The, this, I don't remember that. Okay, so the the secretary in Wonder Woman. Yes. She's the blonde. She was hilarious, by the way, in Wonder Woman. Yeah, she Woman. was great. She's the uh, the actress uh, girlfriend in uh, Dawn of the, or Shaun of the Dead. Oh, nice. Yeah. I'll have to rewatch. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, that just leaves you, Andrew. Now, what's your number one? V for Vendetta. Oh, nice. One of my favorite oh, movies nice. of all time. Cried my eyes out because of how powerful that. The first time I saw it, like in theaters, I'm like, "Wow, this movie has something to say that, for some reason, I just really related to." Maybe it was because uh, we, uh, the uh, Afghan and Iraq War, had just started whenever that movie came out, and I had a lot of friends who joined the army and were over there. And I'm like, and I was in, you know, that early te- or that late teen kind of, you know, I'm against the world kind of mentality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So maybe that why that's why that kind of whole. Uh, you, that totalitarian government thing, and I'm like, oh, this is what we're heading toward. I was an idiot back then, obviously, <laughs> but uh, I was like, oh, this is where we're heading right now, and this is going to be, you know, this is a documentary, pretty much. But for some reason, that even though that that part of me faded away, Hugo Weaving's performance, despite the fact you never see his face, is one of the most prominent performances for me that really stands out. Natalie Portman kills it; she is so good. Yeah. Uh, I, that's one I of my favorites. I don't know as humanity will ever be beyond. I, I you know, again, I, I hold out hope, but I don't know that we'll ever be beyond the idea of governments being corrupt and anarchy being something that that feels um, attractive. You know, there's there's an attractiveness to the idea of just you know blowing up the system, and I think V for Vendetta speaks to that. I think that will always be a part of humans governing other humans. That's just the way it's going to be. So. Um, I, you know, I've, nobody has discovered the perfect government, and I don't know that anybody ever will because it's just, you know, it's a difficult thing, Except, especially when you're dealing with a mass scale, you know, like big countries and, you know, and now a world that feels closer than it's ever felt before. Right. Like we, mm-hmm. you know, this world, is, it feels smaller than it's ever been because of technology. Yeah. And yet we have to figure out how to govern each other, you know, and that's a tough thing. So. Yeah. And if your government has John Hurt in a creepy, you know, big screen, you know you're headed in the wrong direction. England prevails. <laughs> Nicely done. Well, let's throw out some honorable mentions. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and throw out a bunch, and then you can cross them off your list, Andrew, if you've, if you've got them. We'll just kind of... Right none of us mentioned Batman Begins. That was going to be one of them, yeah. Uh, which I think is one of the better ones. Vegas Vacation. Uh, oh, I guess, yeah, you could count that, yeah. Uh, Donnie Darko is another one uh, nobody mentioned. Not a yeah. fan, but I, I will allow it. <laughs> My second Jim Carrey movie in the category, Dumb and Dumber. I'm going to mark it off. Um, Fast Five. Going to mark it off. Good movie. Um, Blues Brothers. Nobody mentioned the Blues Brothers. Mark Wanted to make off. sure we get uh, that yeah. in there. Mad Max. Mark it off. Um, one of my favorites, Mystery Men, Ben Stiller. Yes. Uh, yeah, nice. I rewatched that the other day. You know what? It holds up. I think so too. I think it's a really fun movie. And then I realized that Michael Bay is in that movie. He's one of the frat brothers. <laughs> um, There's a lot of weird cameos in that movie. Yeah, yeah, man. Uh, ben Stiller. I, I don't think. En- I don't think enough has been said about his career because he he really has an interesting career. 
and and has been responsible for some really great stuff over the years. Ben Stiller shows hilarious. Yeah, even his TV show. Yeah, it's absolutely. I think it's overlooked quite a bit, but yeah. Um, I was saying this the other day. I love Ben Stiller movies. I I never really like Ben Stiller in those movies. <laughs> like he never, he never he's never like my favorite part of those those movies. You know. Uh, I love Tropic Thunder. He's not the best part of Tropic Thunder by far. I love the Cable Guy. You know, well, he kind of steals the show as the Stan and Sam, Sam Sweet thing. But yeah, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think he steals Dodgeball. I think that's his movie. A lot of people. Mm, that's, a, that's a good point. Yeah. Did you have any others you're going to mark off? Uh, I, I have just a couple others: Beauty and the Beast, and let's see, uh, Matchstick Men. Then in the chat was mentioned Seven Samurai. Yep, which I think is off. a good choice. And somebody mentioned Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, which doesn't technically yeah. count, yeah. but I get it. You know, <laughs> yeah. I, I get where you're going with that. Yeah. Uh, and then the only three-word title, like three alliterations, like, you know, not including the articles, that I had in my list was Horton Hears a Who. Uh, mm, and nice. I, I did enjoy that. Well, that's actually a third Jim Carrey movie. Look at that. There you go. Horton <laughs> Hears a Who. I did think about What Women Want, but that wasn't yeah. a great movie. I'm I'm surprised you didn't put Baby in the Corner with Dirty Dancing. Dirty Dancing? Yeah. I'm not a huge Dirty Dancing fan. Oh, well, you're, you're allowed to be wrong. It's okay. <laughs> what about you, Barrett? Do you have any in your honorable mentions that we haven't mentioned? Uh, I've got I've got a quadruple one for you. Martha, Marcy, May, Marlene. <laughs> wow, I don't even know if I know what that is. Oh, that's an Elizabeth Olsen movie about uh, a woman that grew up with, a, uh, or has spent a lot of time with a cult leader. And is trying to reintegrate uh, into society. It's very interesting. I had heard uh, about it's, that. Movie. It's obviously heavy, but uh, it came out a few years ago, and it's it's very very good. Um, and the other one, which is just kind of for whatever reason, I love this movie, and I shouldn't. Saving Silverman. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you're man, allowed. I don't you're know allowed if it, like that one. <laughs> yeah, if it's their affection for Neil Diamond or what it is, but uh, Arlie Ermy and Jack Black and Steve Zahn and Jason, B- I just love it. I love it. You don't need to do the it does the for you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, mentioned in the chat, Bad Boys, uh, yeah. Hudson Hawk, uh, Beach Blanket Bingo. There's another three Hudson words. Hudson Hawk Ooh, is one of my nice. dad's favorite movies, and I give him crap for it all the time. Uh, David in the chat throwing out some some three words or more. Uh, House on Haunted Hill, yeah. Fahrenheit four five one. Although the one, I don't know if we would count that. Uh, yeah. Bye Bye Birdie's a good choice. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. that's a good musical. And then he mentions Debbie Does Dallas. I got two. <laughs> Ooh, nice. Yeah. Uh, could you count Guardians of the Galaxy? You sure can. All right, there we go. And the Muppet movie. Oh yeah, we're moving right along. Man, I hadn't thought about Guardians. I might have put that above King Kong. Would I you really love the original Guardians? Yeah. Yeah. Nah, probably not. It's probably still being my honorable mentions. Well, there you go. The best ever. Movies that feature alliteration in the title. I'm I love it when we all have three different ones, like mm-hmm. no repeats, like nine different movies in our top three. That's, That's really great. good. That's a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to the Sift Quest, where you get to ask us a question each week. Uh, the Sift Quest this week comes from Twitter. So fun. Uh, this is from Mason, and here's the question, and uh, I found this really interesting. Mason says. You're stranded on a desert island with nothing but a solar-powered Blu-ray player for entertainment. Let's assume all of your basic needs like food and water are already taken care of. Because this is one of the brand new prototypes, it can only hold 24 hours of video data. You can put any type of video media on there, movies, TV shows, YouTube videos, or home videos, etc. What do you fill your 24 hours of video with? Uh, Barrett, let's start with you. What are you putting on your brand new solar-powered Blu-ray player? 
Okay, the first couple of hours are going to be devoted to adult entertainment because <laughs> I, have, I have it on you're my by list yourself, as well. I have it on my you're list by yourself, as well. You, you, yeah, right? I mean, you're on a deserted <laughs> island. Okay, so once that's taken care of, then you move on to you got to have some entertainment. So because I'm in a tropical setting, I'm going to watch Forgetting Sarah Marshall uh, okay. for a couple of hours. Okay. All right. So now we've got 20 hours left. And those 20 hours are going to be devoted to watching YouTube videos of how to escape a deserted island. <laughs> that's 20 and hours that's a, Twenty hours worth, huh? I, I actually, should know how to, to do it after that, right? I Actually, one, one thing on mine was how to build a, a raft. That was one of my YouTube videos that would definitely be on there, you need how, to, how to build a raft. There's a YouTube channel. It's called Primitive Technologies. It's this kid who just builds everything from scrap. He doesn't use any tools. He, like makes like tools out of rocks and sticks and stuff it's one of the most fascinating channels he doesn't talk or anything definitely look it up if you're interested in that very cool what do you have uh i have 12 hours worth of friends and family recording messages for me uh to be on the island listen if i'm gonna survive i'm gonna need a reason to live and i'm gonna go back to that stuff more than i'm gonna go back to like the entertainment and and those kind of things. So that's interesting. I think that twelve would break hours me. though. Well, I, <laughs> I listen. I I this is what I figured. I figured I would give my closest friends and family because it doesn't say that the, that you can't prepare for this. You know, so I would give mm-hmm. each of them. I would tell them the situation that I was you know going to be on an island forever, and you know I ne- I needed the will to live to get back to them. That kind of thing, and just just you know record for as long as they wanted to for me to see at some point when I'm out there. And so then I would have them to kind of you know divvy out for those first few months and say, okay, now I'm going to hear from you know uh you know my my dad. You know, and so I figured there'd be about twenty-four people, about half an hour each. That's kind of what I figured it would why it would take up about Your twelve hours. Is way more entertaining than mine <laughs> is apparently. Well, see, I here's what I I don't feel like entertainment would be my main thing. I would need like I feel like I would need to know that there were people that I was connected to that loved me. Those kind of things. I think that would break me. I think that would break me instead of you know push me harder. I don't know. I otherwise I feel like I start, you know, drawing a face on a volleyball or something. You know what I mean? Like it's just like I mean like the actual <laughs> human contact. Uh then after that I had uh two episodes of Mystery Science Theater. Um and I would, you know, pick my favorite two episodes of Mystery Science Theater cuz uh, you know, there's something about being able to watch a movie and also kind of laugh along with friends at the movie that I would feel like I had companions again that were, you know, with me, you know, having this experience. Yeah. And plus it'd be a, a good way to laugh. Uh, and then the rest of the time I, I would have, well, I did have uh, uh, an hour of YouTube videos on how to build a boat, you know, those kind of things. So when I was, you know, wanting to escape, I could do that. And then the rest of the time is the X-Files because I never get tired of the X-Files. So yeah. I'd have about, <laughs> about seven, nice. seven episodes of the X-Files that I would pick, including Clyde Bruckman's Final Repose. But anyways, I'd pick my favorite X-Files episodes. Nice. Um, I went from this with the idea that I'm not going to leave the island because I thought that's like we're stranded forever. Forever, so yeah. I didn't, I didn't know like you could have YouTube videos to like get you off the island because for sure I would have done that yeah, instead yeah. of all this list that I made of just <laughs> pure entertainment. So I'm having the full nine hours of the Lord of the Rings trilogy because, you know, an incredible journey. Uh-huh. Um, that's I'm, inspirational. Yeah, exactly. That is. Yeah. That's a good choice. Then I'm going to have The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly for a couple reasons. One, it's my favorite movie of all time, and two, it's my mom's favorite movie of all time. Nice. So I could have that kind of connection there as well. Um, my favorite show of all time is House. So I would pick my two favorite House episodes, which is the part one and part two of Euphoria. It's such a good uh, part part episode. And then I'm going to pick my favorite f- comedy of all time, which is Hot Fuzz. 
just, you know, because I'm going to need something to make me laugh all the time. A lot of these are going to be things to make me laugh, you know, just to keep me, you know, sure. light-spirited. So I'm also going to have the complete first season of Harmon Quest, which is only three hours. So nice. I can go through the full season one and just be entertained. Then, um, since there's probably going to be an ocean around me, because I'm on an island, I'm going to be having Finding Nemo, just, you know. Nice. And then I'm going to fill two and a half hours with Rick and Morty. Okay. As much as two and a half hours can get me of Rick and Morty. Then I'm going to have the one-minute clip of Tracy Porter intercepting Peyton Manning to clinch the Super Bowl 44 for the New Orleans Saints. <laughs> <laughs> and then I have an hour left, and I'm going to fill that with stuff I can't mention on this podcast, but it gets lonely on the island. <laughs> um, man, I, man, you, you gave me some thoughts. Now I want to change some of my answers. I want to trade in some X-Files episodes for uh, Singing in the Rain and mm. La La Land because those are my two favorite musicals and there's something about music that doesn't get old as fast as like a movie does. Like there's something about being able to sing the songs, the rewatchability, that kind of stuff and there's such a like a lift of the spirit. So I'm going to trade a couple episodes of The X-Files in for those. Good call. Any Anything else you wanted to add on that? Well, now that I know I can get off the island, I'm going <laughs> to get rid of some stuff. Probably hardly. listen. Even if I can't get off the island, I want to make sure that if if there's an opportunity, there's a like a tanker that drives by in the ocean. I want to know how to get on that sucker. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Throw a how to learn Morse code video on there. Yeah. You know all that kind of stuff. That's a good idea. Well, thanks, Mason. We appreciate the Sift Quest for this week. Uh, thank you so much. If you want to get a question or a debate, you know, solve a debate you're having with a friend. Whatever the case may be, feel free to hit us up. You can do that on Twitter. I'm at Aaron Dicer. Uh, Mason's question was a little bit long for regular Twitter, so he actually DM'd me on Twitter. You're welcome to do that as well with your SiftQuest questions. Uh, you can also uh, hit us up by email if you like. Feedback at SiftPop.com. We'll get the job done, and uh, and we'll have fun discussing your SiftQuest. All right, on to the buried treasure, guys. What is that one thing in any area of pop culture you want to let people know about this week who's going first why don't you go first andrew uh i'm gonna go with the movie it's one of my favorite movies of all time and it was just on tv the other day and i was it had been forever since i've seen it tony scott's man on fire starring denzel washington and christopher walken love that Mm. movie so much and it's you know the the hunt to try and get the little girl back. Uh, Dakota Fanning does mm-hmm. a great job in that movie. I think that's one of her first film roles, actually. But uh, this is sad Denzel, and whenever he does sad Denzel, I think he just, you know, is so magnanimous and magnetic to watch. I think he's brilliant. Christopher Walken, you know, being Christopher Walken, you can't hate the guy. And uh, I I really loved Tony Scott movies. I thought he had a very interesting way of actually filming his movies. And uh, the the city itself uh, in Mexico, it really became a character in that movie. And uh, just his whole journey of trying to get that little girl back and how he just would stop at nothing. And yeah. He was just a force. It's a great movie. He was a force of nature. I love that movie so much. No, it's a great, that's a great choice. Um I'll let you go last, Barrett. I'll go ahead and do mine. My buried treasure is I'm getting my Netflix Netflix uh, right now. They have released so many new seasons of stuff that I love. And so I've, I'm like three or four episodes into House of Cards new season. Uh, I binge watched the entire new season of Kimmy Schmidt. Uh, loved that. Uh, I'm about five episodes into the new Master of None season. Uh, all three of those are shows that continue to amaze me. Although I have to say, 
House of Cards so far hasn't really grabbed me, and I wonder if a lot of it has to do with the political environment we find ourselves in for real yeah. <laughs> right now. That's uh, it's kind of the, the the problem with that show at this point. And uh, and so it hasn't necessarily. I'm not necessarily enjoying that as much as the others. But man, is Kimmy Schmidt a well written show? That show is so brilliant. Um, yeah. I, I I there's so much I love about that. It 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 makes me okay that Thirty Rock isn't around anymore. Because it's got that same kind of thing, and I feel like, okay, at least I'm getting that really sharp, brilliant humor somewhere, you know? Yeah. Um, and, I, I mean, I think they're both Tina Fey, aren't they? They are both Tina yeah, Fey. Yeah, so I, that, I mm. guess that makes total sense. But in Master of None, uh, I thought the first season was good. I think the, the episodes I've seen so far this season are great. Like, he is approaching... Absolutely. Uh, Aziz is approaching this next level of really exploring some truth in his life and in, in what it means to be human and doing it in a really creative way. I I'm really enjoying master of none as well. Yeah, no, that, that second season is absolutely, it'll blow you away. Yeah. What do you got Barrett? What's your uh, buried treasure? Well, I've got the, the actual media, but I've got a way to consume it too. So what I would recommend is for everyone right before they go to sleep is to watch 1997's face off. Because you're going to be a little bit silly, you're going to be a little bit punchy when you're about ready for bed, and it's going to be hilarious to you. This is this is prime Nicolas Cage, this is prime John Travolta, and I really am convinced that even though he's won an Oscar for something else, I don't think Nick Cage has ever had a better acting job than that drug scene in Face Off, <laughs> when he's, he's, he like swallows the, the powdered whatever it is, and he's like... I'm going to take his face off. <laughs> and oh my god, he's stumbling around. It's it's gorgeous. You should watch it. Barrett, you've obviously never watched Left Behind. Because I mean Nick Cage in the Left Behind movie is just premium <laughs> Nick Cage. So I think he literally has a phone hanging off of his ear during that movie, doesn't yes, he? Yes, I think he literally does. My go to Nick Cage is Wicker Man. <laughs> nice. Not the bees. Ooh, yeah. Not yeah. the bees. What an interesting dude, man. I that that I just wow. He's he's been in some great movies and some awful movies and awfully great movies. Some awfully great movies. Yeah. So, way to go. Great suggestion. So, not only face off, but you have to watch it right before bed. That's the buried treasure. That's right. All right. <laughs> Good to know. We did it, guys. Oh, hey. We did a podcast. Yeah. Congratulations to all of us. (laughs) We all deserve pats on the back. Thanks so much for joining us today for Sif Pop. It is part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. You can find out more about other live and later shows on the network by following the feed at Mixler.com slash Studio DNA. That's M-I-X-L-R.com slash Studio DNA. Huge thanks again to today's guru, Barrett from Music Video Sins. Thank you, guys. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, what do you got to let people know what you do? What do you got to plug? Well, if you like if you like you some podcasts, we got one of them, too. Uh, it's the Sincast, S-I-N-C-A-S-T, and uh, it's me and the boys from Cinema Sins talking about movies. Uh, occasionally, you'll get uh, a, a reference bomb to an Aaron Dicer, <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> 
The uh, the YouTube channel is YouTube uh, Cinema Sins or Music Video Sins. Um, yeah, check it out. We've got some we've got some fun stuff happening. Much love and gratitude as well to our Patreon supporters for giving monthly to make this show and others on the network possible. Support starts at three dollars a month. Comes with some pretty fun perks. You can find out more at patreon.com slash studio DNA. There are a lot of ways to connect with us. Uh, you can do it at uh, SoundCloud. You can tweet at us. You can do it in iTunes in the comments, or you can email us at feedback at sifpop.com. And finally, if you're having a good time, your movie-loving friends will probably like this too, so let them know about it and that listening is much easier than jumping 15 feet in the air, doing a perfect backflip while shooting three arrows at the same time. Spoiler chat for this week's movie should be next in your podcast feed, and we will see you back next week for maybe some talk on The Mummy. The Mummy. Tom Cruise is The Mummy.